You're listening to a SodaCon Sessions by Effective, live from a SodaCon 2023. Okay, this is a really uh, pleasant surprise when we record these podcasts. Don't really know who's showing up. And then Liza Borges walks up on stage and says that she's the next victim on a SodaCon Sessions. Liza, it's so good to be with you. Happily the next victim. All right, all right. So um, we came up and you're like, I think you've heard everything I have to say. So I don't know what we're going to talk about. But I know that's not true because we've had several sessions um, together over the course of a SodaCon and... Um, uh, a dealer, a really well-known dealer walks up and he goes, you know, every time I'm in a session where Liza's at, I always learn something. And I feel the same way. Thank you. Okay, so I, I have something to talk about. There's just recently, within the last month, I saw on LinkedIn that you held this very special EV training day at your headquarters. And I saw pictures of a big portion of your staff and all different makes and models of EVs. You brought some consultants and trainers in, and you even in the in the hey, even if you're not in the dealership world, but you're just curious about these EVs, it's not open to the public. But come on by, and you know we'll show you around and let you drive some of these things. So tell me about what that event was and why you held it. So it was our second annual EV boot camp. It was your second one. It was our second okay. one. Okay, we did it a year ago all, uh, last summer as well. And the whole intent behind it was to create EV champions in each of our dealerships and making sure that we have a manager and a sales associate in every store who is really educated on everything from the incentives available to charging infrastructure to not just their own EV products, but all the EV products that CMA offers. Because so often we hear from a customer that they're just curious about an electric vehicle and they might walk into our Ford store, but that might not be the right product. So we want to make sure that we have an ecosystem within CMA that we can help them on their EV journey beyond just one product. Is that who was there from each store, a sales manager and an associate? Yes. And how many people were there? Uh, we had 43 people there. And how many different EVs did you have? I think we had... 15 or 16 that were there available, including, and the one that most of our team did not know about was the Ford E-Transit. And so it was interesting. Right. We, we had it there on display and there's a catering company that is within a half a mile of our dealership that said they, they're like, we didn't even know there was an electric option for us to potentially use as our catering van. So we actually kept that Ford uh, over in Charlottesville for a few days to be able to go show them. And then one of our parts managers said, you know what? We have a, a parts van that only does in-town local short runs and deliveries. we happen to know where it's at every night right next to a charger yes. that's not being used. So now that 40 Transit is going to live in Charlottesville and be our parts delivery what van. What a great way to wrapped, get that around the community. Yes. Wrapped with our sustainability logo, with some information about EVs. So a lot comes out of just getting people together in a boot camp like that. Ideas that we hadn't even thought of before. So it was a, it was a fantastic day. John Ellis from Bev Everything came in. We also had a gentleman uh, from Gen 180 and we had a woman from the Nature Conservancy all come with different perspectives. We had a consumer panel where our team got to hear from four different consumers about what their EV experience has been like and in the purchase process and the ownership. So you source them from your own your own book of business? No. Oh. Uh, Gen 180 actually sourced these consumers. Even better. So, so objectivity. Totally. And uh, one of them was a Tesla owner. Uh, and then I think the other three had brands that overlapped with us, but they didn't necessarily buy from us. Well, give us give us the skinny. What did they say? They were all, once they drove an EV, for you. once they drove an EV, they were all in. They will never go back 
to an all four, all four were very clear, never going back to an ice vehicle. Um, and it really, they all said you have to get someone to sit in it, to experience it, which is what we hear all the time. I know. Right. I know. Um, and, and a lot of them, three of the four did say that their sales associate was, didn't know anything about the car that they were buying. Uh, one of them said they came into test drive and the car was dead behind the dealership, you know, hadn't been charged. The normal horror stories that we have all heard before Mm -hmm. most of these four had experienced. And do you have any, um, insight into like, did they live in neighborhoods and apartments? You know what I mean? Cause I know that's a big consideration of the yeah. ease of EV ownership is can I plug it in every night? Uh, one of them lived on a farm. Well, one lived in DC uh, and the other two, I think were in, in neighborhood type communities. Um, so in different, I guess different, Some areas. different scenarios, yeah. but, but yeah. all places that you, they would probably have accessibility to good charging infrastructure. Yeah. Okay. So what, what's the result? I mean, it's kind of really, you well, know what I mean? I'll tell you one of the big takeaways that was unexpected. Uh, John Ellis had our team role playing some of the objections that we hear or the questions that we have in our dealerships around EVs. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that he taught us was that it was okay to say to a customer, I know you're interested in an EV, but based on everything you're telling me right now, maybe today isn't the right time yet for you. Let's show you this Ford F-150 versus the Lightning. But in the future... We would love to keep this conversation open with you and when there's a time that an EV may be thrive. So he, he basically gave our team the the okay. To that, let it go. Yeah, that right? we don't have to force someone into an EV if it's not the right fit for them because the worst thing we could do is have a customer out there in a car they're unhappy with. Oh, that's like an enemy for life, right? right? Oh, they sold me this car that I don't like, that's inconvenient, you know, because they weren't ready. But if we ask great questions, we'll figure out who are those consumers that an EV would be right for, just like we figure out, you know, a needs and wants analysis for any consumer. So I've heard you say a couple times in sessions and elsewhere um, when the question is, when do you think we will be 100% EV? And there are a lot of dates out there. 2030 is some magical date that the government thinks is going to... Nobody believes that, including them. Um, and then people say, oh, maybe 2040, maybe 2050. You have a perspective on this, I've heard. So what is your perspective on when will we be fully EV? Well, my answer to that was never. And, and the reason is not because I don't believe in EVs. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they are super fun to drive. My husband drives a, an EV. I drive a plug-in hybrid. Um But I believe that technology and innovation is happening so fast that there's going to be other technology that comes before we ever get to a 100% EV environment. Something that in certain applications is just better. Yeah, something that we have not even created or thought of yet. I mean, maybe it could be hydrogen or something that has been out there. Hasn't hit the development curve where we figured it out. But I think that we've got incredible innovation happening and something else is going to come. So we might end up with a 40% EV product and then another some sort of alternative fuel option at another 40%. I don't know how that creates infrastructure in the United States to support. It might be very complicated, but I believe there's too many smart people and too much too many new ideas to think that we're just all of a sudden going to be 100% EV and that's it. We know what it's going to be. I mean, who would have imagined you know, 20 years ago that we would be in, in the middle of like a total powertrain reinvention, right? And you were in the business back then, right? You were yeah. with Honda and, you know, as an OEM rep and obviously your family, your father in the car business. Was this even even on the radar 20 years ago? Well, you think about 
was it back in the 20s where the original EVs were pretty much gone, right? You know, back in the early 1900s. Right, because we now we've seen some EV. of those pictures, right? Like right. these carriages that are all plugged in, delivery trucks all plugged in. And we then, sold them out of the front of our hardware store no, in like 1908. Yeah, we've got pictures of electric vehicles in the front of our hardware store. Please in send me those. I will. That's I will. Unbelievable. And then eventually the EVs that went by it's the like wayside. The OG EV dealer. Yeah. So the, the, we technically weren't even a franchise dealer at that point. We ran a hardware store and started selling vehicles out of the front of it. We became a, a actual franchise dealer in 1924 with Ford. And that's, of course, by then EVs had gone by the wayside. Right, because we figured out, hey, we can mass produce these. Yeah. We found a fuel source and we're like, combustion's the way to go. We can make it happen. But I don't think we should expect that we're going to have another 100-year period with the same technology in place that ran vehicles. See, you have a perspective on this that transcends like just the modern experience because of legacy, multiple generations. And you've actually one of the very few that as a family business have watched it change. And now to think that like, oh, we have it all figured out, especially with the technology curve, especially well, with that. We even heard from one of our older relatives that Eliza, you know, we had the Spanish flu back in 1918. It was just like COVID. I was like, what? How do you remember this? <laughs> right? She's like, our business made it through the Spanish flu. We can make it through COVID. That's amazing. <laughs> it's like, no, no one of us even talked about the Spanish flu or how that impacted our country back then. But no. percentage wise, I think more people were actually impacted back then than we were oh, by COVID. There's just less ability to like communicate it, communicate it, talk right? about it all talk the time, about it, have an opinion on it, yeah. right? Shut things down, keep things open, whatever. Um, so hydrogen you brought up and there probably is a case to be made that, you know, from a distribution standpoint, like I've, I've watched, I've seen a lot on hydrogen engines and they, they kind of look, feel, sound, perform a lot like a combustion engine. So there's a lot of familiarity there. And we already have a fueling ecosystem and infrastructure that is based around stopping somewhere for five to 10 minutes. There's a tank holding, holding, you know, the propellant or holding, you know, the, the thing and you the pump same, it. Right? It's like, okay, we kind of have a built in infrastructure for that. I mean, there's complexities around how you store hydrogen. Um, what else is, is there any, even anything else out there? I am not going to pretend to Kryptonite. know. I am not that smart. Yes. <laughs> I, where I see the biggest hang up is the fact that we've got, I think, incredible people in this country, in this world that will come up with these ideas. But do we have the collaboration like a SODU yes. between our government, our manufacturers and all of the private enterprises. I mean, we can see we're, we're watching EVs have incredible challenge trying to get infrastructure out and you throw another completely different idea or two. Right. I don't know how that works. I don't know. Our, our country has gotten so fractured and in, in, in our thinking and not able to come together on yeah. solutions. So I don't, I don't know what that looks like, Paul. Yeah. I mean, just that alone, right? There, every issue these days seems to become a political issue. Yeah. Right? EVs should not be a political issue. It's funny. <laughs> it's actually funny to think about how EVs were kind of a political issue with the rise of Tesla. And then Elon Musk kind of like his perception changed. So it became like a reverse political issue. <laughs> and then now it's just a total mess. But yeah. without a doubt, we have politics driving a definition of consumer desire, which is not real. And we know that. However, the technology is being even like we see Toyota really change position on EVs um, before they were like very slow. It's going to be hybrids and then like, you know, changing the guard. And I think the realization that China is in such a disproportionate advantage because of the speed at which they're putting out product that I, I think Toyota was like, love it or hate it. 
right or wrong, we can't get beat. You know, so they're in a position now where they're going to be le- releasing a lot more EVs. I, I wonder, I wonder what just the sheer inertia happen, like how that carries us forward. I think there's so many data points around what the true consumer demand is on EVs that you can create any narrative that you want. <laughs> um, I think Toyota has a pretty strong path. They were encouraged and I think really pushed to have to go deeper into EVs more quickly, which is probably good for the rest of us because if we are definitely going down this path, I'd like Toyota to have their intelligence and research and production behind it. So I think that's a good thing. (laughs) I do too. Well, Liza, uh, we didn't know what we were going to talk about, but always an engaging conversation. Thanks for giving us some time at a SotoCon Sessions by Effective. Thanks, Paul. Thank you for listening to this Asotukan session by Effective. If you want more content like this, you can check out our other podcasts. We have a daily show called The Automotive Troublemaker, Monday through Friday, here on podcasts, also live streamed on YouTube and LinkedIn and Facebook. We also have a long form podcast called Auto Collabs. Auto Collabs. And if you just want to go a little deeper into this community, you should sign up for our regular email. We put our heart and soul into it. You can get it for free by going to asotu.com. We'll see you next time.